And welcome, everybody. This is PMP Weekly, episode 155 uh, in the PMP Week. Well, let's start with the date. Today is 28th of February, 2022. <laughs> My name is Cesar Juvonen. I'm a program manager in the Microsoft 365 platform areas. And with me as a co-host is... Good day, everybody. My name is Valdik Mastekas, and I am cloud developer advocate for Microsoft 365 at Microsoft. Excellent. So in the PMV Weekly, we always talk about the latest on the Microsoft 365 platform. Uh, we cover the latest articles from Microsoft and then a few articles from the community. There's so many articles what's happening there. So we're uh, always prioritizing on community blogs, articles, and then a few videos. And if you are writing something cool, please remember hashtag PMP Weekly uh, so we can notice the awesomeness what you're actually writing. So that's Help us to help you. Help us to help you. There we go. Um, and PMP uh, Weekly is published in the post podcast and the video. Is it a video blog? I guess it's the video blog. Blog. Is that webcast? Web, I don't know what it's called. YouTube. It's on YouTube. It's in YouTube. Yes, indeed. Indeed. Cool. Uh, so today we have Ike Bass, uh, who she's actually a teammate of yours uh, in your team. She right? is. She is. And we're going to talk about her career, how, how she got to be in Microsoft. She's been actually in a show before, but it's been already, I think, one and a half years or something like that. I think it was August right. 2020. It's been 84 years. And actually, yesterday I was writing something down and I was like, um, the date, uh, that, what, uh, 27th of February 2020. 2020 and I'm like, <laughs> like stuck you're like what 21 or 22 what is it <laughs> yeah like which it's what 731st of March 2020 right <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly so but it was a real actual kind of a brain hiccup when you're like what year is it this isn't good so <laughs> yeah clearly the four days off last week for me <laughs> did its purpose so <laughs> Anyway, hmm. let's actually uh, jump to the interview with Icon and then come back on the articles uh, together. So, Icon, thank you for joining us on the PMP Weekly episode 155. Uh, it is 28th of uh, February. It's actually March tomorrow. It's super strange. Uh, so, really, really cool. Now, Icon, you've been actually visiting the PMP Weekly before as well, but can you Yay. do a quick recap on who you are and what you do for a living? Yes, it's been actually so long. I probably joined PMP Weekly when I started in a cloud advocacy team I uh, when I was blonde back then. Now I'm brunette. All right, <laughs> yeah. <I'm>, yeah. <laughs> things change, right? Yeah, things change. Uh, yes, of course, I can introduce myself again. Hi, everyone. <laughs> My name is Aicha. I'm a cloud advocate at Microsoft. I am Turkish. I live in Dubai and I enjoy doing a lot of projects related with Graph, Microsoft Teams, bots, Azure stuff like Logic Apps functions. And we get to work with a lot, a lot of those technologies. And yeah, th this is about me. And I'm in the same team with Valdek. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So coming back on the the color of the hair, I have to say this: when Waldeck started, his hair was still brown. <laughs> well, it was yes, yes, it was. Back in the days, I had hair. <laughs> Bad joke. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, it's not a right? joke. It's realities of life. So yes. Now, Aika, uh, can you talk about a bit? How? Uh, let's start with your kind of a background a bit. So, how did you get to be a cloud advocate? What What does it actually mean to be a cloud advocate uh, from yes. your perspective? Uh, 
My story with Microsoft starts uh, in a way back, actually, when I was a student ambassador nine years ago. And uh, back then, I, I was studying in a double major program, electrical and electronics engineering and software engineering. And I was really interested in tech. Uh, that's why I, got a, I, I decided to become a part of a program like a student ambassador program and I applied, they accepted me and I got a chance to meet a lot of people there inside Microsoft, also in the program, like students like me, as well as MVPs who mentored us a lot. Um, after that, I got I got a chance of internship uh, at Microsoft. We used to have developer experience team. I worked there as an intern uh, for a year, and as an intern, uh, I mean, don't take a look as as an intern because at Microsoft, interns work as much as uh, FTEs. So uh, it was a really hard time because I was at the end of my college years and. Then uh, when, I, when I finished my school, I joined Microsoft in the uh, college hire program uh, and I started in the consultancy part. I was a premier field engineer, uh, so we were visiting customers all around Europe, Middle East and Africa. I probably visit more than 100 customers uh, and wow. uh, we, we were delivering workshops, projects to the customers all around uh, EMEA. And I learned a lot of depth stuff about technology there because you have to know everything really well and the customers you are interacting already knows a lot of stuff. So you have to be good at what you're doing. Like if I was doing a lot of bots and cognitive services back then, and uh, I needed to get deeper and deeper every time because you need to answer the questions. And after three and a half years uh, in the services side at Microsoft, uh, it was a starting of COVID. I got a project uh, of Ministry of Education uh, of uh, one country, and I was working there for bots and most of the Asia technologies, but also uh, there was teams involved and we were doing a lot of graph uh, integrations. And uh, since it was the beginning of COVID, uh, there was actually a lot of questions how they can track the attendance of students, how they can, you know, uh, create more flexible environment for teachers to uh, cover their classes and so on. So we were experimenting a lot of stuff. And then uh, I saw this opportunity uh, related with Teams and Graph, but as well as how you can integrate these technologies with um, other solutions like bots, for example. And also it includes a lot of other stuff like web apps and um most of the Azure development technologies and that's why i joined uh, advocacy because i did a lot of dev stuff with uh, customers and now i was more interested in how i can show my projects to the communities how i can uh, work really closely with student ambassadors to build many more projects to help them their maybe their colleges or their communities and so on and it's so far it's going really good <laughs> It's actually really cool that you you basically you were a student ambassador, but now you're helping student ambassadors then inside of Microsoft. <laughs> so it's it's a kind of a really cool story as well. So now, what is a can you can you go back on what is a student ambassador? How how you get to be a student ambassador? So what is that? So student ambassador program. If you search it, the full name is Microsoft Learn Student Ambassadors Program. Everyone can apply to the program. What they're looking for specifically is I think it's really close to MVP, but 
now you have to be a student. Uh, they're looking for if you're interested in technology and if you're interested in being part of communities and maybe talking about technologies you, you know, uh, learning from each other and so on. They look if you have a GitHub uh, link, if you have LinkedIn, uh, what are the previous projects you built before or if you didn't build, uh, what is your story, why you want to be a part of the uh, community. So it's actually a really nice program. As, so, as far as I know, now they have more than 3,000 or 5,000 uh, student ambassadors all around the world. Uh, and you get a chance to meet uh, with a lot of people, let's say, you get to meet someone from um, Brazil, another one from Egypt, another one from India, which is an amazing thing because as a student, day to day, you join your classes and you wonder what are the other people doing, especially yeah. during COVID. Some, some of the students I know, they couldn't join the exchange programs. Usually they go to other countries with exchange programs, but mm -hmm. they couldn't do it because of the limitations. So these sort of communities, student communities, are really crucial to get to know what others are doing and learning from each other. And also, you know, these people will become your connection in next years. They will be, you know, working in good companies as a tech person. So they will become your important connection, too. Yeah. And is it the same way as MVPs, where MVPs are per product or technology stack is that the, the, the same thing there or is it more like the mics of cloud and you you get to be exposed to everything um when you first join the program you get an introduction level of important things like github and azure and uh, basically basics of everything but then uh, you choose yourself a specific area, for example, low code, and then you get to meet with people in the low code yeah. part in the channel. Yeah. But it's totally optional. Uh, and I mean, you you have to choose your own uh, interest area and you have to get to meet with those people if you want to, you know, join in a project or if you want to drive a project. Um, again, it's totally your interest. So they're not uh, let's say, they be becoming a part of the community because of their interest, they join the community and then they choose uh, which part of the community they want to be more active. Because you can't really be a master across, across the whole cloud. It's just impossible. There's so many technologies okay, and topics and oh. it's just, <laughs> sorry, while they <laughs> bursting a bubble. So. <laughs> no, but it, it's, it, there's so many things. How did you, how did you then, you talked about the fact that you were doing bots and all, how did you choose to select bots? What was the interesting thing in bots? Uh, you you mean in Microsoft Services in in my job? Yeah, well, or in the student ambassador? What was the what was the yeah. thing which got you interested on that topic? But to be honest, the program almost ten years ago was so different than what we have right now. It wasn't that global back then, and uh, we were uh, basically talking to our regional people. Uh, for example, we have a, we had a really big program in Turkey and I was a part of a student ambassador program in Turkey. And I got the chance to meet with others in Europe, Middle East and Africa. But now they moved to uh, the program in another level. So you get to know everyone from all over the world. So it's like a one group, uh, one program right now. So you can contact with anyone. Uh, and when you drive a session, when you deliver a workshop, anyone can join in the program. Cool. So when I was in the program, it was more of a local program. Now it has changed and became more uh, global. 
just like how uh, Cloud Advocacy become, became like a global program, global uh, department uh, in yep. years. Yeah, because that's that's always anyway. We are all connected to the internet, and anyway, the the learnings and things are pretty much the same. And then the beauty of doing that is is really then understanding the different cultures and getting connections throughout the world, right? So, really have that connection and not just isolated on your own country, so which is really, really yeah. cool. But actually, the reason I choose bots and cognitive services moving forward was uh, when I was an intern, cognitive services, which was Project Oxford back then, they, they it was newly announced when I was an intern and uh, I was so impressed by the idea of, you know, you don't have to be data scientists, you don't have to know machine learning, but you can just call an API and, you know, use Vision API to do some stuff at Vision or uh, because I was also getting computer vision uh, classes at college and I know how hard it is to write something with MATLAB. Uh, and just seeing one API to do that impressed me a lot. There was yeah. only four APIs back then in uh, the first version of cognitive services. Now probably there are more more than 35, 36, uh, which is amazing. I guess for developers, it's a really nice way to quickly use some AI and uh, move forward. That's the biggest reason I want to focus on that area. And that's that's really cool because then it comes with the IoT stuff and automation and all of that stuff. And you can detect, for example, if your vegetables are eatable or not or whatever. So it's it's just, just look massive. at them, you know, like tomatoes are not supposed to be green. Like, yeah, well, it's not that option. hard, but I get I get your point. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> like there are there are more advanced uh, things, right? Like you want to de detect sentiment of a text at scale. So you don't want yeah. to, you know, read. 20 million pages you just want to think, okay like what people feel based on surveys that we got and you can analyze yeah. that at scale but i guess maybe to your point if you have a huge farm you don't want to be going and looking at each tomato, tomato. at once like yeah. you want to have a drone so i hear i i heard there was i think there was a case where somebody would have a drone take pictures of the field and they would be able to see like it's ready or not and you could be able to detect things like at scale and not yeah. no longer going to the field and looking at each plant one by one. Yeah, yeah exactly. And back then, uh, the my first major was electrical and electronics engineering. So I thought like I should definitely work with devices. But OK, I can build something with Raspberry Pi, but I don't know how to build the entire vision uh, stuff. And that point, uh, Vision API and entire Oxford, Project Oxford were announced and it was an amazing thing. You just, you know, you use the Raspberry Pi and the API and you can build the entire thing and, you know, just one week in a hackathon. I think it's really cool uh, for especially a student just discovering what is in the field and, you know, what we study in the school is sort of different than what we have in the field. So. Um, oh, yeah. It was it's a the theory and practice, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, there's that the academical theories are so different than the realities on how we actually work, and so it's it's different. So, well, but, but linked, it is hard, sure. right? But um, no. it is all, also hard, right? Because like things evolve so fast in the IT, especially, right? I, th I think the other day somebody did a comparison, right? That if you are a teacher in English, for example, the language, the things you learn they apply for 20 years. So you learn it once and it's the same thing, 20 years, right? So this is your investment. Evolution in, moves slowly, yes. Exactly, whereas in IT, it's 
a year or so, like you constantly need to do things, right? And then imagine like every single year, like you need to revamp the curriculum, the exams, the materials, like it's insane amount of work, Yes. right? So like totally. I, with that, I'm not surprised that we don't always see the latest and greatest at schools. And I guess the programs that we offer like they offer offer a great ability for students to get exposed to the field, as it's called, right? Yeah, yeah. totally. I mean, I in in school we were ironing all the circuits and doing all these stuff. And on the side, I was also watching Lady Ada, uh, who was the you know Ada Fruit uh, mm -hmm. uh, person, and she was really famous. I mean, when I was at college and I was following her, she was doing all these cool stuff with Raspberry Pis, you know, lighting up some stuff. And she was only doing you know small things and then. Uh, writing some small piece of code and doing all these glittery stuff and i was there ironing uh all the circuits to work <laughs> so, so it's with, actually so, really different <laughs> so that makes me curious ha have you built like your own appliance from scratch or either from pre-baked components have, have you built anything by yourself yes so of what? course it's uh, I mean, if anyone watching us uh, studied electrical and electronics engineering, we all of the labs we studied, you build your own uh, circuits all the time. And you also build your own uh, components by using, um, you know, resistance and stuff, but it's your own. But in the real world, there are devices doing that and much smarter. <laughs> I mean, <they're> <laughs> much smaller. <laughs> it's good to understand the basics, how it actually works, yeah, for sure. Course. So I, I still remember when I was studying uh, many, many years ago, but they basically learned we were studying even assembler, which is basically the CPU level put and at and all of that. So you understand how the, the transistors and computer CPUs are actually working. Would Does that information have any value anymore? Certainly not. But disagree. If, if, disagree. <laughs> depends on your work, right? If well, you need sure. to do yeah, sure. high performance things, like there is sure. no quicker way to do it in assembly. It's not the most efficient one, but it is like it can give you this edge, right? Sure. So like, like ev everything else, it's just a matter of your job and assignment, right? True. True. Totally. Yeah. Now, coming back on uh, a bit on what you're doing right now. So one of the new initiatives which you started is the learn from community. Um, and this is really, really cool way of, of sharing the learnings uh, between the other people in the community. Can you, can you talk about a bit on, on what this is all about? Yes, of course. So it all started with our YouTube channel, Microsoft 365 Developer YouTube. We have a lot of great content there showing you how you can, you know, uh, learn something in two, three minutes with tips and tricks. We also have uh, other contents deep diving into how you can build stuff with Graph Toolkit, with the Graph API, how you can build uh, Teams applications by using new Teams Toolkit and stuff. But there's also a section at the bottom you can see, which is called Show and Tell. Uh, we started recording some videos with student ambassadors uh, last year uh, because they were coming uh, to us with great projects, including, for example, they build a solution to integrate Moodle and Teams to monitor attendance uh, for students. And there are so, so much more other features included in one single project to improve their school uh, system because of online learning. Um, also, we got some other projects to improve student ambassador community, how they can onboard a new person with a Teams bot and so on. So we wanted to make sure we highlighted 
those projects because these are real life projects and some of other communities, institutes can, most, can also reuse these projects. So that's why we started recording show and tell videos with uh, student ambassadors. We also had great projects coming from MEPs. Also, uh, we got some projects from, uh, 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 I, I guess, they are partners, partners, ISV startups. Basically, yep. we try to cover all community as long as they have a project, including Microsoft 365. They, if they develop something with Microsoft 365 and if they thought that their project would be really useful for others too, um, we recorded a short video with them, like 15 minutes or 20 minutes video to talk about how they built the project, what was the reason they actually built it, and what are the technologies they use. Most of the projects already have their GitHub repo, so anyone who watched the video can directly go to GitHub repo and try themselves. Um, and then we decided to make this as a series. Um, so just just a way of highlighting what we have in the show and tell videos. That's why we came up with an idea of learn from the community. So learn from the community is just an article way of show and tell videos. So uh, we have show and tell videos and we also have a short version of the blog post for each video. Uh, in the first paragraph, we explain why this solution is built, what was the problem. And the second paragraph, we talk about the solution and we just share the video link and that's all. So that's the biggest reason we wanted to highlight community projects. And we want to make sure that these projects are known and if somebody else needs something like this or if someone wants to get inspired and build their own idea, that might be a really good way of learning. And so that's how we came up with the whole uh, learn from the community idea. Yeah. Now, do you have does the solution? Does it have to be an open source? Does it have to be in a GitHub to be able to cover it or are there any requirements on that? Not really, uh, because in one project we covered in Show and Tell, uh, it was a, coming from an MVP, and he was. They were actually using this bot solution on their own company, uh, on Teams, and uh, they didn't have GitHub repo yet because uh, they were just using, experimenting, and improving the bot uh, over probably one or two years. They didn't make it public yet, but they're working on it. We still want to talk about it because it's a really great idea uh, how to improve productivity day to day. So yeah. that's why uh, we still wanted to talk about it. And um, if people are interested, they can uh, reach out to our MVP or me to learn more how they built the entire thing, actually. Yeah. And, if, so and if somebody would like to be on the show, can they reach out to you or do they need to send a pigeon or an owl somewhere? <laughs> so there is a, a official way and an unofficial way. We have a form uh, under ak.ms slash share dash your dash story. Uh, you can just go ahead and fill out the form and we can reach out to you or you can ping me on Twitter uh, and uh, we can just talk and discuss if you're willing to share your story and learn from the community, uh, we can just do it in uh, un informally and, you know, just record the video and write it, write about your project and learn from the community. That's a great opportunity for ISVs and the smaller companies. And now you mentioned that the smaller companies and ISVs, does the company size, does it matter? Or is it just anybody who's building on Microsoft 365 to tell their story? Um, no, not exactly, because 
there, there are so many great projects out there and I know that everyone, um, some companies need exactly the same thing. Some companies need some different features, but almost the same. Uh, yeah. It's great to hear that. It's great to feel that you're not alone. Uh, let's say uh, one university build a solution or one company build a solution that helps their productivity and improves their system. It's totally inspiring for them. So we don't have any limitation if it's a small company, big company or one person startup. Uh, it actually doesn't matter as long as uh, it's a project build uh, using Microsoft 365. And the, uh, of course, if you have other solutions like Azure per platform, yeah. that'd be awesome to see how you build the entire end-to-end -end solution by leveraging Microsoft 365. So um, still, I feel like these project scenarios are so inspiring for others. Yeah. It's a great opportunity for partners to also tell their story, for sure. And, and not just partners, like MVPs and then EDU people and all of that. Now, I will transfer back to my primary machine. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> there will we go. you now, Icon, um, we also wanted to talk about the fact that you are a woman in tech. Um, and, and we absolutely promote this full equality uh, on this industry because it shouldn't matter uh, are you a man or a woman because it just doesn't it's all about what people actually do would you have any any tips um, let's start with the educational side as, as you were a student was there any any tips to come to mind on for other women who might be looking into moving to the tech um, or thoughts related on that yes of course 100 percent so um People in general, while they're studying technical field in college, or maybe they're not studying technical field, but they want to work in the technical field, it's a common case now. Um, sometimes it might be hard for you to know where to get started. So that's why, because there are a lot of technologies, even when we work at Microsoft, there are so many technologies in Azure, we have more than 200 products, it's hard to decide of which one you want to learn. Yeah. Um, while you're deciding uh, which field you want to concentrate, even let's say you want to learn programming language, which one you should learn is right. a really hard decision. Uh, I think communities play a really big role for your decision. First of all, uh, I mean, I talked about student ambassador program, but there are other programs, there are other communities like PNP communities, one of them for our area. Also, there are other communities like JavaScript community, Azure community, um, other cloud communities. I highly recommend students to be a part of their these communities to feel a global reach. and of course, being a part of their own school communities make a big difference too. For example, software engineering branch or um, some other branch that they're interested. Uh, but these communities we generally speak, uh, we generally get in touch, are getting, getting you in a way that what people in the world are doing in this field. Yeah. And what sort of people are getting hired with which uh, technology background? So that's why you can learn which you know, which technology you have to focus on. Um, I guess either women or men, it doesn't matter. Uh, you you should you should be more aware of the communities, in my opinion, because they will give you the direction which area you can focus, and then yeah. you will see what are your interests, not only to get a job, but maybe there there will be areas you will be enjoying a lot more than the others. Yeah. Um, 
In these communities, you see people are presenting all the time, talking about different technologies. So you get a chance to hear a little bit of everything so that you can understand what, what, what are the ones that seems like really cool for you. And then you can jump into uh, that area. So uh, in this case, I feel like it's not about the gender. It's more about you know how you improve yourself uh, yeah. because there, there are a lot of resources that you can use right now um, online and free like Microsoft Learn is just one of them and there are so many others that you can just dive in and learn. Um, not using these resources are actually not the best way let's say when you're trying to uh, be a part of tech community when you're trying to find a job in tech um you should definitely leverage all these free resources and get to know people in the community maybe get a mentor in the community um i mean these are really great ways to really yeah. get on board uh what people are doing and you can just jump in and be the next one presenting about the technology in the community yeah. and if we think about the microsoft 365 platform community or pmp community um that we even we have getting started sessions we have sharing is caring initiative so if you people feel that i don't feel good about even going to the kids hub and, and start getting started no no it's okay we have sessions so everybody is welcome there are no boundaries no limits on the, the previous knowledge and people are basically helping on, on getting started so absolutely 100 everybody is welcome so which is 100%. cool it's like it should be so yeah exactly i guess you should be good in what you're doing um so that you will be privileged i guess this is the way of getting the privilege. If you're good at, you know, Teams apps, then you will be the one presenting. You will be the one getting hired, and so on. So, I guess communities really help you get involved. Practice, practice, practice. Yes, exactly. Indeed. Yeah, and also I, th I think there's also another aspect to it, right? Because at the end of the, of the day, like today, I think we have more resources available to us. And ever like we have videos, we have articles, blog posts, materials, tutorials, whatnot, and there is a lot of them available for free. So as such, like there is nothing in your way to close yourself in a room like for for a month or two and just go through pile through all of it. Will you learn? Absolutely. Is that the most efficient way to learn? I don't think so, right? Because like like you will try to reinvent the wheel in a way. And it's so much easier if you can learn from somebody else because somebody else went at some point through exactly the same hoops. They experienced the same thing. So why not have shortcut in a way, cheat as such to say like, you know what, like let, let me yes. cut the corners. <laughs> yes, like you basically are going to cheat where you will intentionally avoid making the same mistakes others yes. did, right? And yes, that exactly. can work with the steps and give you the advantage that you can learn more efficiently in a way. Yep. Right, so having a mentor, having somebody who went through the same thing and who can even maybe not give you the answers because eventually probably the answers will need to come from you, but make you think, make you aware of this other way to look at things, like that is invaluable. And the cool thing is, is that with communities you mentioned, you can find mentors, right? So you, you yep. can, like that is in your own hands. Yes.
And, and yeah. it's completely fine to reach out and ask for the people to help and ask for the people to mentor. And and it might be that the one person you were asking is already too busy and mentoring too many people, but then you can ask another one. So there's no harm of asking. And maybe even asking. they will point you to someone else. Like, hey, I, I cannot take another, but I recommend you reach out to, or if you like, yes. I introduce introduce you to someone else exactly exactly so yeah totally and also being involved in the projects in the community or maybe having a men uh, not mentorship but internship uh, is also critical because you get to see difference between theoretical education as well as yep. hands-on uh, yep. you will also get to meet people maybe working on that field for 20 years in the community or in the internship uh, that you you were doing uh, there there will be developers doing this for a very long time so they will basically um, show you what is the way you know instead of spending months what is the quick way of learning stuff and yeah. um, I guess it's also critical to uh, be be a part of the internship program or uh, yeah. working in the field is is yeah. really important. And again, that helps on doing those connections and networking, which will help you then to get hired in a different companies and all of that. So it's 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 all connected with the, with getting to know more people. So it is, it is, and I and I think so. There's also an interesting thing, right? Because if I think about my school, like thinking back, I'd rather have it to be like four years of three months internship where you have to internship with a big company, small company, local company, global company, just to get, get exposed to these different ways of work and not I'll just do like one and you're done. Because I think like that is truly the experience you get. And maybe another one would be in these days, especially you have to internship with a remote company because that is yeah, also sure. the way we work now, right? And like, we're no longer limited to geography like you yep. live in a place and you need to work within half an hour distance like no, no 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 like why right so that is also an interesting thing like i'm curious to see how schools will evolve to accommodate for that sure yeah sure. may i'm sure there are some schools already doing that uh in my time i was studying but also i did a lot of internships in different companies and uh, one e-commerce company i was a project manager intern the other one was a gaming company i was a support engineer intern and yeah the other one was in uh university i was there for software engineering and it's important to try different fields as well Dex said uh, so that you see if this is the job you want to do or if you want to do something else yeah. um, i guess it's a great uh, experience you can yeah. have when you're studying there's, there's so many different roles you don't need to be a developer even though you're in tech you can be a program manager a project manager you can be a graphical designer you can be a experienced designer you can be a marketing person you marketing can person anything. or research and, and so many so many so many different options so now, I guess it's time to start into close up. So just a recap uh, for all of those who are looking into uh, sharing their community story and their learnings and their solutions. What was the URL to contact you? Uh, aka.ms slash share dash your dash story. Yeah, that's the form. And, and of course, you are visible in the social media, in Twitter and in other other channels as well. So that's that's an absolutely an option as well. But I guess that's it. Any Any last words from either one of you. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. This is always fun to be in uh, PNP Weekly. Um, I guess it's been almost a year. 
It is. Yeah. Time flies, I guess. Yeah. 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 That's true. <laughs> that is true. Thank you, Aiko, for joining us. Really, really great discussion and, and good perspective related on the educational side or EDU side of the things as well. And and the initiative what you're leading, that's spot on. We learn from hearing the stories from other ones uh, because that, it's not about the theory. It's not about the documentation even. It's really about, okay, so what are the real things what people are building? That's that's where the I think the innovation is all about so getting those ideas from there and, and getting excited uh, to see those. It's really, really cool. But thank you, Aika, for this one. And me and Waldek, we're you. jumping next in the podcast and in the video to the cover the weekly articles. But thank you for this. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. So thank you, Aika, one more time. Uh, great discussion, uh, as always. Uh, and An awesome uh, work uh, on promoting the community stories. And, and by the way, the videos she's doing uh, together with Bob and, and Rabia and, and uh, Dan, in the Microsoft 365 developer YouTube channel are just really, really good. So spot on on the on many other topics. So really, really awesome stuff. And there seems to be all the time cool new videos and, and so it's a constant flow of new things, which is really, really good. Now let's actually jump on the articles. We I I guess I need to share my screen. You should. Unless we can do this in pantomime. Yes, we can. So actually, maybe the next time we need to try it the way they do with the weather forecast. When you are in front of a screen and you're actually not seeing what's in the back, and you're just like <laughs> assuming that somewhere in there is yeah this place, and then something is gonna be raining. It's like yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like this or that distance. Like doesn't matter. And then I'm watching another screen and trying to figure out which way your hands should be. And you're yeah. like, Italy isn't there. <laughs> <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> What is this map? Exactly. <laughs> anyway, so let's jump on the on the articles of uh, this week. Um, I guess you you can start, Walter. So, so we open up with a summary of what's new in Microsoft Teams, February 2022. So again, we get summary, which is a great way to catch up on the latest updates, changes, improvements across Teams, and whether it's features, devices, it's across the board, single place to give you a quick glance into the most important changes in February 2022 in Teams. Yeah, there's some really, really cool updates once again happening. So it's, it, this is super, super cool, uh, kind of a full list of what, what are the latest and, and upcoming features as well. And typically, they're actually stuff that we've been shipped. So it's not like stuff which is intended to come at some point. It's it's enrolling uh, to get shipped already. So really, really cool stuff. Uh, and a lot of, lot of, lot of great new features across the board. Now, this next one, uh, we had best practices for successful large meetings in Microsoft Teams. And this is something actually what we do with the Microsoft 365 platform community all the time as we execute two different community calls every single week, at least two. Um, and we have up to 300 people in the calls. And uh, the whole focus of this blog post is really to talk about the settings and configuration options which you have when you're setting up the meeting or during the meeting. Um, I'm going to zoom in here a bit. Um, the really the key point here is that uh, you can actually have this meeting options and depending a bit on which version or the latest version. For example, in Microsoft, we are always dogfooding. We have a different set of uh, options here, um, but there's a constantly evolving set of options uh, related on what you can control. Um, if you are in a large meeting, like our community calls are quite large. Uh, we typically do not allow, for example, the attendees to have a microphone because otherwise, well, 
you don't know what's going to happen. So there's an accidental people joining and all of that, but you can control all of those settings in here. And then if needed, you can always promote the person to be a presenter, So which is really, really good. So cool stuff. It is, it is interesting the way it sounds, like allow mic for attendees. So that means that before we allow people to join a call, we send them a home a cardboard box in which they need to put the mic, send it to us, then they can join. And then the, 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 yeah, exactly. Well, like, that's precisely what it means. Yeah. Exactly. So good, good way of thinking that. Now, <laughs> the next one is actually on the topic of today with ICA, right? Yeah, exactly. So the next article is from Aicha uh, about series that she does, right? So in this article, she goes together with Stefan Bisser. Is that is that yep. her guest That's in this? Yes, exactly. And they talk about the bot he has built, the use case behind it, and so forth and so on. So it's really interesting video that shows a showcase use case to build bots. So I would definitely recommend you to uh, have a watch because it might be it might be the thing that will will inspire you to do more with bots and teams. Yep, absolutely, absolutely, and I. I in all of this stuff, the most important things to understand are the art of possible. So what exactly can we do? Oh, I can do those kind of things. So that's actually really cool. Now I have an idea of doing these things. So and these are really, really great uh, call-out scenarios. Now, from Chris McNulty, we also had a SharePoint Syntax product updates, February 2022. Uh, SharePoint Syntax is its own offering. So therefore, it's not bundled under the SharePoint monthly summary. It has its own monthly summary as well, because there is a licensing uh, requirements in some of this stuff as well. Uh, but basically, a good call out again on what is the latest and what are the new features and functionalities and something which we've been involved uh, from, well, I've been involved. It's also the new uh, templates uh, for SharePoint Index in the lookbook. So basically sample content and structures and sites where we actually enable a demo content as well so that you can easily understand, uh, again, the art of possible related on yeah. SharePoint Index. So really, really cool That's stuff as well. Really cool, yeah. Good. Then we had CLI 5.0 news. Exactly. So today, as we record this on Monday, February 28th, we released version 5.0 of CLI for Microsoft 365. It's a new major version for us. And the biggest change for which we had to had a major bump was moving away from the AAD graph APIs that were deprecated in June 2020 and which will stop working. So no working at all. Oh, oh, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Deprecating is By a different thing June. than not working. Exactly. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So that is exactly why we felt like we need to upgrade now so that you can use CLI without any disruptions. And along with that, like we included tons of new features and improvements. I'm not sure if that is the biggest release that we've done. Typically, the major versions that we do aren't really that big, right? Because like for us, a major bump is where we clean things up once a year because over time we get our things that in the afterthought, we think like, you know what? We should have done it differently. Yep. But this time around, we included so many new things because community submitted so many cool things that this release is really, really big. So in the article that we show on our screen where we announced the version, we only picked a few of the most noteworthy things, but there's a link also to the full release notes. And I would definitely encourage you to go through all of them. Have a look what has changed, what has changed, because there might be cool things for you and definitely Upgrade CLI to uh, to benefit from the latest work of the community. 
Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. It's really cool already in the version 5. And you do not upgrade the major version for nothing. So you only upgrade in the major version when it's actually breaking chains. So. Exactly. So, And we typically do it only once a year, right? Yep. So like last time we had version 3.5. 14 and in on version one we had 120 you know yep. so it's exactly that's that right. like unless that's we right. really need to break stuff which we hate to do like we really try to stick as much as we can on the minor ones because yep. it's like like ev- everyone else like it's in no one's plan to break things and upgrade things unless you have to so that's, that's yeah. why if we don't need to we don't want to do it but sometimes yep. it's just like you know what let's make it a better thing for everybody and then we have to do a change. Yep, makes perfect sense. Then uh, Luisa Fries uh, had a new blog post uh, on how to create a custom connector for your own Azure hosted API. And this is actually a really cool uh, setup as well to talk about how to build those custom connectors and the scenario being that you implement a custom API, which could be then connecting to even on-premises or whatever data you have in Azure. Um, and how do you create that connector for Power Apps um, to actually connect to that information. So really good. Uh, getting started blog post um, actually released today as well. So, uh, oh, yesterday, actually, 27 uh, of February. But really, really cool clarification how things work, what do we need to do, how do we secure things, how do we do that, how do we call things uh, in, in Power Automate to get the information. So really, really cool stuff. Good. Then uh, there was a blog post from uh, Martin Linkestu. Yes, exactly. So Martin, Martin did awesome work. It's really impressive, the article that that we show now, is because Martin wanted to contribute to the CLI. And well, one, of, one of the, the things that we do in CLI is that whenever you, you contribute a change, we expect you to also contribute tests to basically prove that the code is working as intended. Because yes. for us, like we maintain CLI over time. It's already, I don't know, four or five years in now. And whatever code we include, we want to be able to contribute it over time. Over time, we acknowledge that things will change. And as we we refactor things in CLI, we want to be able to at any point in time ensure that whenever we change something, we have a way to prove that everything is working still as intended, and we do it through tests. Now, many folks don't use tests as extensively as we do in CLI, which is why you can imagine that there's already a threshold we put people through like hey if you want to contribute we'd love your work but you also need to do this additional step to to yep. um uh, include tests and it's something that people have a learning experience with and martin was yet another person who did that but the thing that he approached differently is that he shared the learnings that he went through with tips how to approach tests how to test what are the different things and he wrote all of that in article and that and then he shared that with everyone else and yeah. the article is so elaborate that we even included it from our uh, wiki and our docs where we say like hey if you contribute to cli here are the steps and by the way here's the article that martin wrote to which like where he explains some more about how you can deal with that how you can deal with tests because we acknowledge it isn't yeah. trivial for everybody of the start and we see that this article is a huge improvement to simplify it. So again, big, 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 big thanks to Martin. And just another piece of, of evidence that together, like we can fill the blind spots we have to things, right? Because yeah. like for me, I work with te- testing CLI every day. So I know my way around. But for somebody new, 
it isn't as simple, right? And yep. articles like this, together with community, we can improve the, the experience for everybody so much more. So this is awesome way that shows how together we can make it a better place for everybody. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. Absolutely. Let's share for the common knowledge and build on top of the community uh, knowledge rather than isolate, isolate, isolate. That's always exactly. Leon Leon Armstrong's article around new document uh, card view for the libraries with SharePoint syntax uh, model applied. So um, basically looking into the new uh, document card view, uh, which is available uh, for the document libraries uh, as well. So one way of rendering things. So uh, there's so much actually development happening on the the list and libraries related on extensibility and and the UX rendering options. Um, And these are really, really cool. So you can actually adjust things and adjust layouts and all of this is JSON definition. So it's basically lists for view formatting so you can actually modify what is being shown which is nice really, really cool. nice very nice and uh like i said leon will actually walk through uh all of those options and scenarios and really really cool stuff now michael mallet had a part two on something which we covered a few weeks back yes so he talks about applying devops process to your spfx project part two and in this article, he talks uh, about provisioning, let me quickly see, provisioning the package to a site, which site you want to deploy it to, and so forth and so on, right? So how do you basically set up a test stage and how you deploy and build the package to it? Yep, yeah. And how do we automate things and, and all of the pipelining and, and PMP provisioning usage and all of that. So really, really cool stuff. And this is a follow-up on the on the part one as well. So thank you, Michael, on that one. Now, uh, Stefan Bauer had a blog post around CSS keyframe animations in SharePoint framework. Uh, so basically, well, Stefan is, is one of the, no doubt, one of the best persons in CSS and the styling and UX stuff on, on, the, on the browser. His stuff is quite often at the level of, I have no idea what he's talking, but yeah, so it's called- It's called uh, magic. It's magic, indeed. <laughs> but basically he talks about the options and styling options and, and how to use those CSS animations uh, together with SPFX. Uh, so making your web part and experience is really to pop uh, from the from the UX and, and simple examples, but really talks about those options uh, in the blog post. So thank you for that one. The cool thing here is is that he pushes the, the limits of how much you can actually build with CSS without JavaScript, which is yeah. way easier to maintain, but also you can apply it in a broader way, right? So you don't need as much script, which sometimes is limited. Yeah. Right? Because like 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 nowadays you cannot just drop any 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 script on a on a page, right? And there are some things that, that you can do in CSS. And he shows these different things that you can do in CSS, whether animations or other things, for which like your first thought might be, I need for this piece of script so that I can know you can do it in CSS, right? And so yeah. there's also this very inspiring thing to look at, like, aha, I didn't know I could do this in CSS. Yeah, it- it's actually really, really cool. So just to explicitly call that out. So this is basically uh, the color cycle, which is then one zero percent, fifty percent, one hundred percent, and that's where we are referencing to that one. And then we're changing things in every one single one second in infinite form, and that basically then changes the style. And it's actually pretty cool. It's that you can do these kind of things. So have you just have you just explained CSS to people? 
I guess I did sense it <laughs> some level, but yeah. So, but it's still, I had no idea that you can do these things. So, really, really cool stuff. Now you do. So, yeah, that's that's how we learn by sharing. And then uh, Peter Venstra had a blog post uh, around Power Automate. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So he wrote an article about how you can cancel full run instead of terminating that, right? And there are pros and cons to either one. And Peter shows this other way to do it, which you might need to think about if you want to do it in a different way. And there are business cases for which you want to do it that way and not the other. Yep. Yep. That's really cool. Cute reference point and a blog post explaining that. And then Andrew Connell had a SPFX basics, initializing components, constructor versus on init. And, and his take on, on the different options and the recommendations on how to do things when you are implementing your SPFX components. Um, it's good to see AC is having more and more time on sharing things in the blog and also in a YouTube. So he had a, a YouTube channel restart pretty recently as well. Which we didn't, by the way, check for this week. Da, 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 da. <laughs> Note to sell for the next one. No, I'll, or, I'll put that one in there. So that's waiting there. Well, which so is, see, see, clever. Yeah, this article, yeah. Yeah. Good. Then, Alex. Alex Sadamov. has, I don't know, he had an article about how you can use dev tools for Microsoft Teams, right? And oftentimes when you build for web, you want to be able to debug the code. And when you are in browser, it's simple. You press, I don't know what you press on Windows. Is it F12, F11? Yep, F12. On Mac, I think that is command option, I guess. Either way, you can really easily enable developer tools in browser. But how can you do that in Teams desktop, right? Because there are differences for some things, how your app might work in browser versus desktop. So Alex is sharing with us a tip how you can do that for Microsoft Teams desktop, how you can yep. enable the DevTools. Yep, really, really cool stuff. It helps on a lot on debugging and understanding how things are actually working, so really cool. Then Mark D. Anderson had a, a really conceptual blog post around SharePoint content management, distributed versus centralized. Uh, so how do we control and manage the content and the different options, different scenarios, considerations, and all of that. So really, really good uh, blog post to think about the right decision for your company and, and for your project. And then we had from John C. Klein. Yes, so Joanne wrote an article about, somebody asked her, can you use a SharePoint calculated column as a condition to auto apply a retention table? And she basically goes through the case, okay, let's try it out. Let's see yep. if it works, and if so, how. So that article goes in into depth on that use case. Yep, absolutely. A really, really good. Good scenario as well. Xiao Ferreira had a really good tweet uh, on the fact that on the last month, or this month actually, in February, depending on when you're watching this video, February so 2022, the February 2022, uh, he actually published a new article every single day uh, around uh, Microsoft Teams, Microsoft List, Windows 11, or SharePoint. Thank you, Xiao, uh, on that one. A really, really cool stuff. Um, and in this tweet, he actually walks through all of those 28 uh, articles uh, with, a, with a short intro on that. So thank you. Really, really cool stuff um, for sharing your knowledge between the others, which is always, always valued. Then our Italian friend had a new ESS Tech Bytes video. Paula, yeah. So he talks about how you can manage or work with side columns and field in SharePoint using the Microsoft Graph. The Microsoft Graph is the, the API to communicate from your app with Microsoft 365. 
and it supports variety of things from tasks to planner to teams to outlook to calendar to emails to to sites and also side columns and fields so in this video paula walks through what you can do how it works permissions you need and so forth and so on really interesting way to learn in under four minutes yep about yep. working with fields and side columns using the microsoft graph yeah, really, really good stuff. Thank you, Paolo, on that one. Uh, April Dunham uh, is back on uh, doing YouTube videos as well, uh, because I know that she was really, really, really busy uh, on, on the work-related stuff. But it's basically uh, good to have her uh, back on creating new videos uh, for her own channel. And this video is around Power Automate email table styling. Uh, so basically, how do we do the styling? How do we create the flow? And sending the email, it's the, structuring the HTML in the table format uh, for outputting that uh, in the right way in Power Automate. So really, really good stuff. One thing to notice here also is that she's doing a great job on, on uh, splitting the videos. So if you're looking into explicitly jumping on an explicitly uh, topic on yeah. that video, you can easily do this that. This is so, so important. This is so yeah. important, right? Because like the one thing that I really love for for articles and posts as opposed to video that you can really quickly skim through headings and see yeah. like, okay, I mean, I know this part, I want to go in this part. And these links for a video, this is just as important, right? Because like you yep. you need to be able, like if you know the basic or you, or you know scenario, like you don't need to learn. Like I just need to see how, or I just need to see how I can to do this part. And this yep. makes it available, right? So this is so important. And actually, when you if you search for this in Google and this comes up as your first uh, response, it will actually do the splitting of the of the targeted video yeah. as well. So it has a lot of lot of value for people to consume the video. So really really yeah. cool stuff. Thank you for that. And then as the final thing, uh, which we did an ad hoc thing. So AC had uh, the blog post. Andrew Connell, AC had the blog post around SPFX basics in components construction versus on init, um, and it's actually really cool that he's now doing um, the both things in in article format or in the demo format. So actually showing the demo in the code and calling out things as well and explaining as an additional context on the article on yeah. the topic. So really, really cool stuff. And thank you, AC, on that. Cool, that's it now. That's it for now. That's it, that's it for now. That's it for now. That's it, that's it. <laughs> it is, isn't it? It is, yes, it is. Splendid, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> Ah, uh, what's happening this week? Anything interesting uh, from New York? We released a V5, so I think I'm going to take a week off. Oh, there we no. go. That's, that's <laughs> that is true. Not at all, not at all. So yeah, we're, we still have tons of new ideas for the next version of CLI, which will ship at the end of March. Uh, we plan for there to have one command that will allow you, and this is really cool. So we work together with Alex Hentiev from SPFX um, team to build a command in CLI that allows you to verify integrity of your project. And with that, like one thing that, that, that we see at times is that people misconfig dependencies or do some other things and they ex experience an issue. And they submit an issue to uh, GitHub, we need to triage that and so forth and so on. And it can be so much easier if we can give them a tool that they can use by themselves to verify that everything is fine because maybe they will be able to fix, I don't know, three or five out of 10 issues by themselves directly without having to wait for us to triage anything, right? So yep. that's basically the idea so that we can, based on the experience that we have so far, 
to offer a number of checks that we can then implement in a tool that people can use and just check like, hey, before I go with this anywhere, let me just check if everything's okay on my side. And then if if that's the case and you still happen to have an issue, perfectly fine. But if there's something you can fix, let's do that first so that you can get ahead of it. And maybe that will be exactly the, the issue you have, right? So yep. we're working on that. We hope that we will be able to include it at the end of March. That is one. We're doing some other improvements in CLI as well. Um, on other things, I'm working still with a few of my colleagues on ability to, or trying to improve developer experience for developers who build Teams apps in Angular. So we hope that we will have something to show for that uh, in the coming weeks. Um, and other than that, I'm thinking about like, we're planning together with a few folks, we're planning a new event around um, developing apps for Microsoft 365, and that event will take place at the beginning of May online. So stay tuned for more updates on that. I guess um, I'm at that event as well, aren't I? I guess so, I'm so what? Yes, 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 you are. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yes, you are. So we are doing, we and a few MVPs <laughs> yeah, yeah, <sure. laughs> uh, are doing event with uh, other folks as well. Yeah. Um, so that will be, be there. Um, let me see if anything, else. I guess that is the most important thing. And there's of course, of course, like 20 other 7, ideas 000. that we have, which are really yeah. early stage, but who knows if they come through then we will have a lot of stuff to show. Yeah, How about absolutely. you? You shipped SPFX, or you and your team shipped SPFX v114, correct? Yep, a while back. Yeah, that was uh, I can't remember. That was two weeks ago. One and a half weeks. Ago. <laughs> <laughs> Time flies so fast. Yeah, exactly. And then it's I was about, I was out uh, for we four days last week, and I'm still just. In, so it's good to have time off, but then knowing that we, when you come back, it's just impossible to catch up on all of the things. So staying away yeah. four to five just days, don't. Uh, it's don't, just don't catch up on it. I have seventy unread <laughs> Microsoft Teams chats right now, uh, still, and uh, it's just. But it's fine. It's fine. So I and I I and I. I'm working as the switchboard of many things, so I guess that's my role. It, <laughs> so it okay. almost begs for an app, right, that we could have in Teams. Like, okay, take everything that is unread, TLDR. Give me like yeah, one one pager. Yeah, yeah, one we pager. Talked about, of we what, talked what about the machine know. learning yeah. and the, the cognitive services with ICA exactly. today. That would be actually really good. So can yeah, you give like me personal TDCR? assistant? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So which of these is anything which I should react on and then prioritization? Exactly. That and then maybe really based good. on the relationship with the person Ex you have. Yeah, exactly. Also exactly. assign to it to it importance. Like we are ideating here so much. Time like If you are ISV and you want to have a really cool app. Yeah, this is actually really good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <actually>. <laughs> <laughs> that app though would need to have a huge access to your uh, information. But if you if you trust the provider, yeah, why not actually? Yeah. So, But then imagine analyze. how much time you would save. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Even though if you think about the Viva Insights uh, emails, which we're getting on a day-to-day -day basis, and, and after these meetings, they're really good. It's just- These are brilliant. It's mind-blowing the stuff what is actually able to detect uh, from the discussions. And, and the, these are the things which you should be prioritizing today. And so like, 
wow, this is scary. Thank you for reminding me, right? <laughs> exactly. Hey, Viva. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Viva. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so a lot of that, uh, I know that we will release 1.15 uh, to beta quite soon as well uh, for SharePoint Framework. So that's one side of my job is, is to be on the engineering side of the things. Uh, that team is now growing significantly, which is really cool. Uh, so... Let's see where where I will balance my time again on the on the future because we're growing a team in Texas as well. There's a two teams in uh, in Richmond and we have the China team already. Uh, so it's twenty four seven timing. It time is. Times, so it is, and I guess like that is really cool. Like if if orgs manage to balance it or to organize all of them, the work, you can have a continuous stream of work because when yep. one team stops, the other starts. And that is yep. so powerful because I imagine by the time you wake up, like there's somebody who has done like the whole day of work and they can say, hey, I've done one, two, three. I need decision on four and tomorrow. Yes. And, or maybe you can pick up on four and it can just go on and on and on as opposed to say, I don't know. Let's let's have a meeting somewhere, and then you're yeah. like, yeah, and the whole day or, you're gonna wait. Like, no. We'll come back to you after the 9 a.m. Pacific time or whatever. No, no, no. It's 24/7. Uh, exactly. So it's, it's basically rolls the, through the to the the earth. Um, of course, that requires that the teams and the people feel empowered and trusted, so that they can make their individual decisions, which is super crucial. It isn't. Like, it isn't simple. It. it Right, because like you need to have, as you say, empower, transparency, clarity, alignment, and all of yep. that. But yes. it is a muscle that if you can flex that, yep, it's the opportunity of that thing. is insane. Because you can you That's can true. tap in talent across the world, right? It's yes. not just you know the local team here, and then like yeah, and then in order you know in order for you to work with us effectively, you need to be located in the same. Like why? Exactly. 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 That is so 2020. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> cool. That's a great ending on on the discussions. But thank you, Waldek, uh, on another uh, recording of uh, BMP Weekly, episode 155. And thank you, Aika, Aika Bash, uh, for joining us on this week. And we'll come back with a new BMP Weekly within a week. Cheers. Later. Bye. Bye.